What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What is up, NBA fans? Welcome to another episode of Full Court Press. I'm your host, Nick. As always, I'm joined by Joel and Jawan. What's up, Jawan? I am so excited to talk basketball with you guys tonight. Yeah, man, I'm pumped, dude. It's going to be a good episode. Uh, Joel, what's good, man? What's up, guys? All right, well, let's get into it. We've got a, a big show ahead of us. Um, let's go in the paint first. We're going to break down games three and four of the NBA Finals, as we saw both of those uh, take place this past week. Um, I'm going to start with uh, with you, Joel. What did you think of games three and four of the Finals? Um, well, three and four were the games where the Cavs actually came to play. Because they weren't there the first two games. I don't know where they were, but they came to Damn play. In game, they they came to play in game three and game four. And unfortunately, like game three, get away from them at the end. And of course, uh, they somehow dominated in game four. So it was a uh, it's fucking weird finals. Uh, I guess I should have expected them to strike back at some point. I just didn't expect them to strike back so hard. And uh, who knows if they can keep it up, considering how powerful the Warriors like. Their their offense and their defense because like you can't you can't take away their defense. So the reason the Cavs have been struggling is because they can't they just can't get open for the most part, uh, at least mm-hmm. not comfortably. That they got loose in in game four, but the, the main reason is because of that that Warriors defense, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean it, it really took a game four in which everybody was firing on all cylinders for the Cavs, and you know the the Warriors. You know, had a had, you know, out of their big four, they only had really two of them show up in in like show out rather, um, with with KD and I would I would say Clay Steph Steph had a decent game, but he didn't have a great game like he had in the first three games, um, and and Draymond was of course uh, somewhat problematic for him once again. Um, Jawan, uh, what were your thoughts on on games three and four? Uh, I think it kind of went exactly how um, we expected it to go. I mean, me and you, uh, Nick, said from the beginning it'd probably go about six. So we knew Cleveland wasn't going to go out like um, like punks. They weren't going to get swept. Uh, they right. were going to get at least one, having um, having LeBron. You know, 
having LeBron at least gives you one. Uh, no matter who you're up against, you'd at least think you could get one. Um, I didn't see um, a historic performance like Cleveland um, put on in game four. I didn't foresee that happening. I thought it'd be a lot closer than it was. Um, but, I mean, Cleveland was just hot on all cylinders. I mean, that's something that we obviously saw from Golden State that won't be in every game type of thing. And you could uh-huh. assume that from Cleveland, that was just like a once. I won't say once in a lifetime, but the, the term shoot your shot, that literally applied to that one game, uh, to the game four for Cleveland. They shot their shot. Uh, a lot of people were hot that probably won't be hot again uh, tomorrow night, but it was a, definitely a great showing by them. Um, and like I said, I expected them to at least get one, especially on their home floor. Yeah, I agree with that, man, because I, I kind of foresaw both games three and four going down like game three. Um, like, I mean, I thought they would both be close games. I like, I mean, obviously last year when they went back to Cleveland, the Cavs blew out the Warriors, and I didn't expect that. And I really thought they were going to take game three. Um, and I thought that would be the game that they would steal. And I, I, I still felt like they would go back to um, – to Oakland in, in pretty much the same position that they're in. Um, but I definitely didn't expect them to to have the kind of, just like you said, record-breaking performance that they had. I mean, scoring 49 points in the first quarter, uh, scoring 86 in the first half. Like, that was just, that was ridiculous. Um, I, I, and I do, I do want to say, like, I do think the refs um, uh, had a bad game. I think they missed a lot of calls. I think I think they made a lot of calls that were that were somewhat questionable. Um, but I do want to push back against the notion that um, that the refs gave the Cavs uh, Game Four. Um, you 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 can blame the refs if you lose by three to six points. You know you can't really blame the refs if you get blown out by twenty points. So you know I do want to kind of push back a little bit on that. It was just the Cavs game. They were firing on all cylinders. They did get a little help from the refs, um, I think, at least in my opinion, just from like an objective perspective with no kind of horse in the race. But I don't think that was the deciding factor. And I, and I do think that, you know, it, like I said, everybody was firing on all cylinders. Because um, in, game, in game two, you had Love playing out of his mind, but Kyrie was nowhere to be found. And then in game three, you had Kyrie playing great, and then Love kind of struggled, at least offensively. I think he had a, he had a pretty good defensive game. Um, like, mm-hmm. he was very active. He got several steals. He got a couple blocks. Um, but, like, nevertheless, game four, you had both of them playing great offensively and playing up to the best of their ability on the defensive end. J.R. Smith was hitting shots. Um, Darren Williams finally a fucking bucket. Like, dude, about time, D. Will. Like, where you been, son? Uh, I think he made two baskets. Um, and uh, and I mean, Kyle Korver made some big shots. Uh, I, you know, I mean, it was just, it was like everything was just kind of going their way in that game. Tristan Thompson made some uh, some big buckets. I think he had like six or seven rebounds, which is like ridiculous for this series. I mean, the dude had eight rebounds going into Game Four. Um, so like everybody was playing up to, you know, about the best standard that you could, you could expect from them. So, uh, it'll be interesting. I agree with, with, uh, you, Juwan. I don't, I don't think they can keep that up for game five. I think their best case scenario is they come out and they, 
they get the same kind of effort team-wise that they got out of game three and somehow turn that into a victory, which they weren't able to do in game three. Um, I think that's possible. Um, But I do still think that the Warriors are probably going to win game five and take it at home and the series will be over. Um, So I want to transition with that. Uh, Joel, uh, from here, where do you think the series goes? Do you think the Cavs win game five and take it back to Cleveland, or do you think Golden State closes out the series? Um, I'm probably going to close out the series. I don't want that to happen, but that's probably what Me it's neither. Going. Just like, like I didn't want this to become a, 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 a sweep. I didn't want a sweep, and I didn't want even to go to five. I wanted to at least go six. I expected it to go seven because I expect the, Cav- the Cavs to, to play harder than they were, at least in the beginning. But, yeah, yeah. I do expect the State to close out. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I'm a hundred percent with you. Like I hope I'm wrong. Um, I I didn't expect a sweep even when it came down to Game Four. I just felt in my gut that LeBron James wasn't going to allow his team to get swept, um, and and Kyrie stepped up and everybody else. Um, but I I do feel like now that that kind of edge is 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 kind of off the off the table, if you will. Um, you know, now I could see I could I could see a closeout in Game Five, and I expect it. But I I agree with you. I I hope it doesn't happen. Jawan, um, do you foresee uh, this ending in five, or do you think maybe the Cavs have enough to push it to a Game Six? Um, I mean, it it, it completely depends on what Warriors team uh, we see right out of the gate. Uh, that's I mean, a this good. A that's a that... really good point. This was a team that um, I was just reading uh, this morning on ESPN. Um, a reporter was saying the Warriors flew all of their family out to Cleveland. Like, every player flew their family out because they were expecting to end this in four. Um, mm-hmm. So you do have a team who's very young and very arrogant. Um, we do kind of get confused with how um, lovable Curry is and how funny Draymond seems sometimes and, how we love to hate KD, that we do forget how arrogant these guys often are. Um, and yeah. that, was, that, was a, that was a huge issue for them last, um, last season in the finals. And it that looks like huge. it could potentially – I'm sorry, what did you say, Joel? I said you're right. That was a huge factor last season. Right. So, um, like I said, it depends on how the Warriors come out of the gate. I mean, we have to look at it like this because everyone keeps going, the pressure's on Golden State. And it truly is. Um, they only have to win uh, – even though they only have to win one game, they still have to win just that one game. Last year still is looming over them. Um, Cleveland has to win four straight. Um, so it's a lot more. harder for them. But Right, three more because they just won one, right. Um, it's a lot harder for Cleveland, but the pressure, I believe, isn't necessarily fully on Cleveland because they're not expected to win. Golden right. State is. All the pressure is on the shoulders of them. So if they come out sloppy, if Steph thinks he can do these behind-the-back passes and all these flashy uh, antics, the Cavs are going to catch them. So Golden State needs to show up, get the job done, and get it done early. Like within the first two quarters, make it known that you are ready to end this now. Um, because if not, LeBron is still LeBron. And Kyrie does not want to go out like that. And those two mm-hmm. players will definitely show up. And if you give them even a little bit of light, 
they will make this a series. And that if you're the Warriors, you do not want that. You do not want to give them any kind of momentum or edge. You need to come out, show them that not only was last year a fluke, but that historic game that Cleveland just put on was a -a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. You need to make sure that uh, you show not only Cleveland, but you show the world that um, you're the better team. Absolutely, and I I definitely agree with you. I think as as the series is right now, I think now that – Cleveland was able to win game four, and especially in such a decisive fashion. The pressure is now all on Golden State because if they lose, they're going to be, it's going to be a 3-2 series. They got to go back to Cleveland and play a game at Cleveland. And then if if they lose that game, then they're, you know, it, it has to creep into your mindset, not again. Like, we can't do this again, and and not even that. Like, you know, we would be the, the team that blew a one a a three one lead. We'd now be the team that blew a three zero lead. We'd be the two thousand four Yankees. Like, you know, without without the you know numerous championships to like, you know, have some small way to um to you buffer. know have yeah to kind of like buffer that that uh humiliation so you know I think I think the pressure is a hundred percent on them and it'll be really interesting um to see how they respond to the pressure um I I honestly think I think the biggest thing is going to be what do we get out of KD and I think that KD is going to step up and respond to the pressure um mainly because he's done it this whole series Um, You know, he did it in game three when he marched down the court. I mean, he took over the last three minutes of that game and and basically saved their asses um, as far as losing game three. Um, You know, I mean, they probably should have lost game three. But, I mean, KD stepped up. Um, Even in game four, um, early on in that game when they were, you know, kind of getting their asses kicked, I think KD made like 10 or 12 straight points over over like a three-minute span. Um, so he tried his best to kind of try to keep him in that game. And, like, I mean, he's just such an offensive threat. Um, like, I, I think that – I think he'll step up, and I think if he can get two of those other three guys to step up, um, probably Steph and, and Clay, because I think Clay's kind of finally hit hit a little bit of a rhythm, and I think Steph – is going to be easier to close it out in five. I, Draymond is just so unpredictable. You never know what you're going to get with him. Um, but I, I think they'll be able to close it out. Um, but speaking of KD, um, I think, you know, we, we've had a little ongoing debate amongst ourselves, especially after game three. And I think a lot of people have been kind of, you know, having this debate. Um, who's the best player in the league now? Is it, is it still LeBron or, you know, if, if, if not, is it KD? And even if maybe KD's not quite there, is he is he threatening LeBron for you know being the best player in the league? And will will the outcome of this series kind of dictate you know where that narrative goes? Um, I'm gonna start with you on that, Joel. Um, I, I don't want to take anything away from Kevin Durant at all. Because Kevin Durant was a beast before, and he's a beast now. KD is the uh-huh. KD from last on a ten times better team. 
So yeah. for you to tell me that Katie is now the best player in the league, just because he did, they were taking their, you know, they were pretty much doing like putting on work against the Cavaliers, you know, and the Cavaliers, the team that knocked them out last year, the Warriors, I mean, mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Now keep in mind, it wasn't exactly like the Cavs breezed right through the Warriors. All right, it was a struggle. You know, they had them on the ropes until a couple things happened here and there, and then things changed. And, you know, mm-hmm. but the Warriors right there, and then they then they also beat them the year before. So what did they do? They upgraded to the second best player in the league. So you know, between the Warriors and the and Durant, you got yourself a powerhouse. And it's like it's more pressure on LeBron, who basically has the same team as last year. Maybe here a couple upgrades here and there, maybe, but they're basically the same team. Um, I can't say Durant's a better player. Just be, I mean, just. Just the players around Durant make it harder for me to say that. It's much easier for him to be himself when he doesn't have to do as much. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. I, and you know, I I'll get into my my uh, kind of um, uh, view on it in a minute, but I do think you have a good point in that it is hard to kind of give him that mantle when you know he's he's moved on to a team in which. He's just basically being able to better showcase his talents. It's like he hasn't necessarily gotten better from last year. He's just on a better team so that he can showcase his talents in a way that he couldn't do on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, but, uh, Jawan, um, you're, you're kind of the odd man out here. Um, you've, been, you've been on Katie's, Katie's train for a little while now. Why do you think KD is the best player in the league? Um, I, a lot of people will say I'm a prisoner of the moment, but KD has just been having a better statistical season all around um, than he did last year, uh, mm. playing way better defense. Um, uh, you know what he's right, what he's doing in blocks, what he's doing in steals, what he's doing in rebounds, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and even points and. The main thing I keep looking at is is this. LeBron's playing better this season than he did last season. Right. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is because if LeBron last season in the finals um, was playing exactly how he was playing now, I don't even see them being down 3-1. LeBron just kicked it into a whole nother gear this year. Um, yeah, especially with the three-point shots. Right, exactly, exactly, which he struggles with usually, and he definitely yeah. improved on that. Um, he's just a different monster this year than he was last year. So the yeah. argument I keep saying is, if right now, right, we see how great LeBron's playing, where it seems like he's averaging almost 30 a game. Um, mm-hmm. If you took Kevin Durant off the Warriors, right, like just you keep every everybody else, you just pluck Durant out, right? Mm-hmm. I think we could say for a fact, we could all agree, be at least tied right now. If not, Cavs yeah, would be it, up. the Cavs would be the favorite. Absolutely. Right. So my my significant point is, we we all know Warriors won you know a record amount of games last season. We all know that mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, KD did make this team better. Where Curry doesn't have to do as much where Clay doesn't have to do as much, where Draymond just has to just be that defensive guy. We, they don't need him offensively. He just has to be that defensive guy. 
So anytime you get a player like Durant's caliber, it makes that team significantly better. And what I keep saying is we keep going, well, Durant went to an all-star team. You're absolutely correct. But this is a team that if LeBron was playing like he is this season last year and the year before, we wouldn't be talking about this team as much as, as we are because they would have to be the guys that are trying to get past LeBron rather than the other way around. So KD, what he's been doing in these playoffs in the finals, He's just been a juggernaut. And like I said, it's from all facets of, of, of the court. And to me, when I say Durant is is taking the crown, I don't mean like LeBron's done, he'll be retiring next year. Like I'm not Max <laughs> Kellerman when he keeps saying, like Joel, you know this, Max Kellerman keeps saying Tom Brady's going to fall off that cliff. I'm not saying that about LeBron. All I'm yep. saying is we keep going – Right. We keep going. Um, you know, the next guys that will be taking over LeBron will be like Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns and those guys. And I keep going, did, did Durant retire? Did he move to a different sport? Like, did I miss something? Like, no, Durant is that guy put before an AD, before Carl Anthony Towns. He's that guy that's right there, like literally on knocking on the door, letting LeBron know, like, listen, it, it's my time now. And that's why I yeah. agree with you, Nick, when you – go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, it's like – I mean, to 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 kind of quote and paraphrase Eminem, it's like nowadays everybody want to talk. They got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move the lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. Motherfuckers act like they forgot about KD. Like, come on. like Exactly. You, you exactly. can't forget about KD. And I agree with you, Not man. I mean, you you talk about – and I see people talking about this – and I think you're right. The two, the, there's three big players when people talk about who's going to take the mantle um, from LeBron. Or at least there, I think the narrative is starting to change because of the way KD has played in these finals. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, pre-finals, um, and especially because when KD got hurt and the Warriors went on that, that 12-game win streak, and everything was like firing on all cylinders and all that. Everybody was saying there's three people. It's Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, and Giannis. And those were like right. the three people that like most pundits brought up and they and they basically said that look like by the time LeBron starts going downhill, like KD's like the other players are going to come up and KD will will start kind of going just a little bit over that hill. And these other guys are better than KD, and it's like, or or at least they have a higher ceiling than KD, and it's like, dude, I don't know about that. <laughs> so I agree with you in that sense. I mean, I I do think that when the torch is passed, it will go to KD before it goes to those other guys. Um, I just don't think it's there yet, and I think the fact that LeBron has just been playing out of his mind in these finals. Um, has has just like I mean he's been the one constant you know that everybody else on that team has been up and down game to game but LeBron's averaging a triple double he is playing out of his mind and and you know what I think to a certain extent I, I almost think this is not only LeBron saying like I'm the best player in the league and I'm trying to will my team to victory I think it's almost kind of like him saying you know what, if I wanted to, 
yeah, I could go out and do what Russell Westbrook did, and I could be the MVP every year. I could do all that shit, but it ain't about the regular season for me. It ain't about that. I'm trying to win championships. And so I don't care. I've got four MVPs. I don't care about MVPs. I'm not trying to do that. But we all know if LeBron – if LeBron wanted to, he could tell his guys, hey, man, on those free throws, y'all box out and let me run in and get those rebounds. Hey, man, like I'm going to pass the ball two or three more extra times than I normally do so I can try to up my assist. Like he could do that if he wanted to. Um, and and y'all know I'm a huge Russell Westbrook fan, and I ain't throwing shade at Russ. Um, I, right. I love the guy. I think he elevated that team well beyond where I thought they could have been um, going into this season. I know Vegas had them making the playoffs. I didn't think they had a fucking chance at making those. Um, just Make given sure. what they were losing, what they were going to have to try to, you know, fit in around Russ, um, I, I didn't give them much of a chance. And they and they really surprised me. And I, I think total props to, to Russ on that. Um, but nevertheless, I think – I think LeBron could do all that if he wanted to, and I think he's kind of showing that in the finals. It's like, yo, like, dude, I am the best player in this league, and I think I, I can't argue it. I, I still think he's the best player in the league. KD's been playing great. He, I think, has, has certainly taken the mantle um, for, for second best back from Kawhi. Because um, I think throughout this season, a lot of people were like, Kawhi is the second best player in the league. I mean, even going into the playoffs, I think Shaq said Kawhi is his favorite player. And, and I think Shaq may have even said that he thinks he's the best player in the league. And granted, Kawhi went down with an injury. We don't know what would have happened in that series. But, you know, given, you know, things work out the way they work out and, and given the storyline that we've gotten, I think KD has successfully taken that that second second place mantle um but i i still think he's got to win this year and if he does and likely will he'll get the finals mvp and then he's got to come out and show out next year and hope that lebron finally starts having age catch up to him um joel do you want to add anything else on that no i agree with you uh he is he was the second best player before this year so it's not really a change for me to me yeah right. he was right there right behind him. Uh if anything he solidified it. Um but like I said I can't I just can't give it to him over LeBron. He's on he put the best player the second best player in the league on the best team in the league. <laughs> you know what I mean? This team without K D could still make it to the finals and win it all. That's the problem. That's the problem I have. You understand? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean if you had, if you still had Harrison Barnes like, if you, like, and that's the thing I think Jawan said earlier, like, if you take KD off this team, but you also have to qualify that with if you take KD off this team, you still have Harrison Barnes. And Harrison Barnes had a, had a ridiculously bad finals performance last season. And, and I, I, I definitely think that that was one of the big factors that kind of cost them, um, along with, you know, Bogut's injury and, and Green's suspension um, and winning right. the championship last year. I think those are the three biggest factors that cost them. That and probably Curry's injury. So you have – arguably you have four major things. Um, but, like, nevertheless, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think if you roll it back with – but, but yeah, honestly, though, you know, I think what the most interesting thing is, I think because they had to move Bogut and they had to fill that role – 
they've right. actually gotten more consistent and better with Pachulia and McGee because Bogut couldn't stay healthy. And That's true. because Petrulia and McGee can stay healthy, and McGee is so athletic, they don't use him enough, in my opinion. And maybe they know there's some weakness that they don't want to show, like kind of like with um, with uh, the Thunder last year. They like it yeah. seemed like they didn't play Robertson enough, but now yeah. when they did play Robertson a lot this year, it was like, oh. Duke cannot shoot free throws. Like I like I mean we knew he was bad, but we didn't know he was that bad. And that's why they right. didn't play him a lot because they see those kinds of things in practice and they're like, bro, like we better hope they don't start fouling your ass like they do Andre Drummond. Um, but like it's still it's it's interesting because I think they almost upgraded at center this year, uh, given the like uh, factors outside of you know, just play, like, given injury factors and age factors and, yeah, and everything else. Um, but I think it's interesting that you bring, you bring that up. So, like, you know, KD, um, you know, he joins, you know, this, this obviously our team that's already kind of a juggernaut. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, have various opinions on KD joining this team versus LeBron joining Miami. Um mm-hmm. I want to start with Nick, you, Jawan. Yeah. I just I wanted to say something really quick uh, before we head into this. I just wanted sure. to disagree with what Joel was saying. Um, you can, but it's fact of fact. If, <laughs> if there's no um, – no, 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 only because, Joel, I've been hearing this a lot, and I was actually talking to somebody at work about it. Um, if there's no KD, right, and this is, of course, a what-if scenario, but this is kind of yeah. the – It'll probably it'll make sense once once I, I I explain everything. Let's say the Portland Trailblazers were completely healthy, the um and the Spurs were completely healthy, and you take KD out and you put Barnes back in or whoever they have they would have gotten to fill that that three position. It would have been Barnes, yeah. Okay, so let's say it's Barnes. Maybe. I'm 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 saying right now there's no way in hell they're beating the Spurs in seven. No KD. Kawhi Leonard had that team up 20 points with KD. As soon as he was gone, the series was gone. A healthy Tony Parker also goes goes to helping the Spurs. I just seriously don't think if Kawhi and Tony are healthy that I can definitively say the Warriors are still in the finals. You can say I, I can agree with that. So who cares? Well, and and I can agree with that too. I just don't think you can definitively say that they wouldn't be. Like I like I I would I would definitely say that it would be it would be a series. But see, I think you could almost argue, Jawan, that like had Kawhi not gone down, I think we can like all three of us agree that that San Antonio probably would have won Game One. I, I mean, I'll give it like ninety five percent. Um, yes. Now I still think Golden State would have won the series. I don't. I don't think. I don't. I. I honestly don't think even with Kawhi and Parker that they would have been able to to beat Golden State. Um, right. No. But no, nevertheless, no, no, no. I was. I was. Well, I, yeah. No, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying, nevertheless, if you if you do take KD off that team and and you put you know say a Barnes in his place and then maybe. You know, you. I mean, honestly, if you go back in time, they probably keep Bogut. 
Bogut just being injury prone probably still gets hurt in some way, and then they're trying to figure out maybe they did pick up McGee, and so McGee can kind of fill that role. Who knows how all those transactions would have worked out? But Bogut would be playing like, right now if he wasn't hurt. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he yeah, he would be playing against them, <laughs> and yeah, like he'd be on the yeah, but like I mean, that's the thing. He just can't stay healthy. He hadn't been able to for, for you know, two years now. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, Juwan, I think you got a good point there. I mean, I really do. I, I I think, and that's why, honestly, I don't fault Golden State and I don't fault KD for making the decisions they make because nothing in this league is guaranteed. And, you know, like, why not? Why not try to give yourself the best opportunity with the team that, that best suits your playing style, that you can you can move to that next level of your own ability um, with, because I think we can all agree, despite what you feel about him joining Golden State, and despite the unfair disadvantage that it, it may bring to the rest of the league, there's no way that KD becomes as good as he became this year. Um if he doesn't join Golden State. Like, if he doesn't join Golden State, we're not even having the conversation as far as who's better, LeBron or KD. It's still obviously LeBron. The fact that he went to Golden State allowed him to up his efficiency, allowed him to up his defensive game. It allowed him to grow and become a better player than he was ever going to be on OKC. And I, so I don't fault him at all for making that decision. And I, I, I mean, I think that's, I th- yeah, I think it's a valid point, Juwan. I, I really do. Um, I will fault it for you. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, you just you just can't stand the fact that we got a, a three peak going on of of champions. I, I can't. You're right. I can't. <laughs> yeah, um, which is fair. I you know I can see your side too, man. I I wish uh, I wish we had you know a little more parity, but. And, and it, it'll come. It always does. And the fact that the CBA, you know, is, is trying to kind of take steps to make it a little bit harder for teams to do this in the future, mm-hmm. it's going to be harder. And, you know, there won't be, be as many ways that you can accomplish this. I mean, the Golden State Warriors took advantage of three or four different, like, opportunities to make this all happen, and they just got lucky. I mean, that's what it all boils down to. I mean, they got lucky with Steph's contract. They got lucky with the yeah. with salary cap spiking like it did to be able to get KD. They got lucky with the, the the necessary people coming off the books and the necessary people that they can trade. And then and then you know to top it off, I won't call it luck because they they made the right picks. But they that's the right. thing they made the right picks to be able to set all this up. And that's not luck. That's just that's just you know, skill and drafting and scouting I mean, being able to pick the players. I mean, honestly, I, I've never had an issue with the idea of, like, a super team. Because if you think to, to back in the days, to the, the Showtime Lakers and mm-hmm. how amazing Larry Bird's teams and stuff like that were. Mm-hmm. Or we the Sixers of that is, same era. Or the Sixers. With Moses Sixers, Malone absolutely. and Dr. J. Absolutely. What we keep forgetting is um, drafting nowadays is nowhere near as great as it was back then. Like, you you usually get maybe a handful of guys that actually become something out of out of these drafts nowadays. 
Um, and then the rest are just end up becoming like role players. Like you don't have bona fide stars from the Not whole either. first round or half the first round. So, yeah. you know, it's it's literally hit and miss nowadays. Like the first three guys might be, you know, your superstars out of that draft, and then the rest always, are just there, like role it's players. It's always, it's always hit and miss, no matter, no right. matter what year it is. It's always hit and miss. Well, but, but well, I, no, do, saying, I do I'm think Juwan makes a good point in that there weren't as many teams back then. So, yeah, there weren't as many teams back then. So when you were drafted in the first round, so there's not as many teams, so you're picking from fewer players. And because there's, there's fewer players, there's more of an opportunity for players who maybe their skill level wouldn't be anything that great in today's era, but it was in that era because there just right. wasn't the same also, amount of competition. There was more I rounds mean, back in the day, too. It was like five rounds. There, there were. But, I mean – Joel, you, you can't you can't really deny the fact that not only was scouting better back then, drafting was better back then. Like it's just I don't think not scouting was better back now. then. Yeah, no, no, I don't, I'm I don't, scouting. I don't I'm agree scouting with as far I don't, as I don't, I don't, I, hey, I don't agree with that. That's it. Scouting as far as a lot of the best teams were put together mostly through through draft, and then you had some free agent guys come in. Nowadays, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. It's like, purely yeah, you're, so you're not talking. About, you're not talking about. You're not talking about league wide scouting. You're talking about the best teams having like right, the best almost teams. like an right. unfair advantage when it came to being exactly. able to scout, being able to pull exactly. up trades to make their team put their teams in the position to be ultimately right. successful. Yeah, and I agree with only, that. I mean, I'm the, the, the Celtics and the Lakers were the teams. kings of that. I mean, the the Lakers put themselves in the position to get James Worthy by taking advantage of the Cleveland Cavaliers and getting the 1982 first overall pick, and they were able to get right. James Worthy out of that. Um, and, right. you know, I mean, the Celtics did it with, you know, uh, a few trades here or there, and then even drafting Larry Bird, I think he was like number seven or number eight overall, and but they had to wait a year right. uh, in order to get him because he was going to finish out his college career. Um, so they had the foresight to be like, yeah, we'll take this guy, we'll wait a year, well, it's all good, and then they did, and right. you know, and he I turned mean, out to be where he where he is. And, I mean, honestly, I don't even consider the Warriors – I mean, obviously with Durant, I guess that's what you classify him. But we keep forgetting Draymond, Clay, and Steph were all drafts. They were draft picks. Like, it wasn't like Golden yeah, State Yeah, Draymond went out and was got a second-round pick to boot. Right, that's right. A, so it's not even thing. like Golden State went out and got the best players, of, you know, available in the free agent market. These were guys that they developed and they groomed into becoming the stars that they are. Durant – was the one piece that was the, you know, that made them this, this huge super team juggernaut. But they were drafted. So what I'm saying yeah. is when my when problem you go, yeah. you know, with KD than the Warriors. Do you understand? Right. But I'm saying if, if I'm KD, that is the best scenario for me to go to. And I'm not necessarily knocking him for that. I am knocking him for that. Because I, growing up in the 90s, you don't go up against – you don't join a team that was kicking your ass. That's a bitch. That's a bitch move, in my opinion. I don't know. No, I, you got to remember. You got to remember. Back in the day, the teams were okay. a lot stronger. So it was like you what? could literally just go to battle with the teams that you were on. Durant had shown it had shown that it was just too difficult for them to do it. He felt as though he couldn't do it with Westbrook. Well, they were let, me, let me interject away. here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let me interject here and bridge this gap between y'all's two different opinions. Because I do, I, I, 
I vehemently disagree with the notion that KD could not win in OKC. I think he could have won in OKC. Now, I don't fault him for going to Golden State because, like I said, he was able to up his personal game to a whole new level. He was able to join a team that fits his skills better, that was able to lift his skill to a whole new level. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't fault KD for doing what he did. I mean, I think he had every right to do it. All the stars aligned to make it happen. He made the right decision for him, and you know that's that's all well and good. Um, but I, I, I do, I do kind of want to say to Joel though, like the teams of the '90s and the players of the '90s. They did it too. I mean, you still have like Charles Barkley going to and, and Scottie Pippen going to join the Rockets in the late nineties. Um, going up with Clyde Drexler and and and, and Hakeem Olajuwon. Now, granted, they were past their prime. That's I'm not I'm not arguing that. No, I'm not saying it's always different though. Like it's no no two situations are the exact same. So like I mean, there were still there were still examples. Well, but there were still examples of it. Or if, okay, if you wanna if you wanna try to take an example, like an old school example of a team who got beat by another team in the playoffs and went and joined that team, you take Moses Malone. Moses Malone got beat uh by the Philadelphia seventy sixers the year before he went and joined them in free agency. Um, and then he went and joined them with, you know, <laughs> Dr. Happened. J. It happened. And all of those players. And they and they ended up winning a championship in 1983, I believe. They're the team that, right. that predicted fo-fo-fo. And they actually went fo-fa-fo. Um, they, I think they lost uh, one game in the second round. Um, but they, they swept the Lakers with magic and worthy and Kareem, mm. like they swept them in the finals. And, right. you know, that's the thing, man. Like there's always, you can always go back and find an example of something that is at least similar to anything that you find objectionable just, in the league. I, I just find, I find it, it I find it offensive. I find it offensive to call it weak or a bitch move, honestly, Why? because it's one of those things where it's like, dude, Durant's looking at guys like Melo, Guys like Barkley, guys who played their hearts out, guys who are like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not selling myself. I'm, you know, I can beat Jordan myself. I don't have to go form a super team. Melo, who's right. been with the Knicks, miserable for God knows how long. So I it, it's guys like that. <laughs> what do you mean you wouldn't use Melo as a good example? Melo could have not that... signed with the Knicks and gone with LeBron. That's why I wouldn't use him as a good example. At least, at least Barkley moved but, around. He tried. But hold on, Mello, hold on. My Mello my point, my point is that, that that mentality is. But what I'm saying is Durant's looking around at guys like that who had that mindset and don't have a ring to show for it. So Durant thought he could maximize his potential, he could maximize his growth, and get the end result of a ring with Golden State. That's not a weak move. The point of the game is to get a ring. So why are we now judging how the player gets the ring? Why does that matter? We tell them that we we only put you up there in the greats with the ring. I'm not calling it a dumb move. I'm calling it a weak move. That's different. It is smart. But what I'm saying is is, how is it weak if we're telling the players you only amount to something if you have the hardware to show for it? So he goes, okay, 
well, I'm going to go where I know I can get the hardware, and now we're like, dude, that's weak. But you just told me for me to matter, I need a ring. So now you're judging I how I get the ring? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying when you say it's a weak move, a lot of these I players do. are looking I at do. it like the – and I'm not trying to change your mind at all. I'm just saying I, I'm, def, I'm defending it from what I see, you know, what he probably was looking at it as. I don't know it. I'm just assuming. But I'm saying these players play the game to win. The ultimate game is to get the, you know, the, the hardware at the end of the season. So now if we're judging players by rings, we can't now say, well, dude, come on, man. Well, look how you got it. Why, why does that yeah. matter? The end result is that I got it. No, yeah, I, I, Durant, I, do think... I don't want to retire without one. I get that. I totally do. And, and I, I do agree with you to a certain extent. But I do think, I mean, put it this way. Um, people have always talked shit about people who, who leave a team to go try to get a championship. Like, that's, that's nothing new. And so I do think there's a certain amount of shit that, that Durant is going to take that he deserves to take um, because he did do that. But I, but me personally, I just don't fault him for it because, like I said, he made the best decision. I don't think there's anybody who can argue that he didn't make the best decision for himself on the court. And you can argue no, that making that making that decision, uh, you know, alienated a lot of people who maybe loved Durant at one point and now they see him as a ring chaser and all that jazz. But like, nevertheless, when it's all said and done. Y'all brought up Max Kellerman earlier. Um, and by the way, the only reason Max Kellerman is talking shit about Tom Brady is because he's a huge New York Giants fan. So, you know, fuck him. <laughs> um, on that, on that anyway. But but he is right in saying that, like, as it, as it pertains to Durant, when, when history looks back at Durant, they're not going to look at all of this minutia. They're gonna look at look at it and say he won three or four or five rings with this team, you know, like or however many he ends up winning, and like that's gonna be the story. And like honestly, if you were to ask me right now, who do I think is gonna finish with more rings, KD or LeBron? It's probably projecting to be KD at least right now. Like obviously, a lot can happen, you know, in in the next you know we'll four see. or five years. Yeah, we will see. Um, I, and I'm, I'm not saying that with any sort of definitive nature. I'm just saying, like, right. if you were to ask me, put a gun to my head and say, who's going to finish with more rings, I would probably say KD. Um, but, like, that's the thing. No one's going to be asking in, in, you know, 20, 30 years, like, well, how did KD do it? Because no one asked that about Moses Malone. Like, no one asked that uh, about um, – you know, LeBron going to Miami, no one asked that about, like, any of these situations. Uh, like, now, they do now, but they won't in, like, 20 or 30 years. And my, like, no. my kind of right, proof right. in the pudding Nick. on that is no one says that about Moses Malone. Nobody says Moses Nick. Malone was a punk-ass bitch because he went to Philly. Nobody says that. Time has eliminated. To me, it's... To me, I don't even think it's that much of, of a conversation, mainly because we're never going to have Durant in the same conversation as, the, as like, Jordan and those guys is the greatest of all time to ever do. So right. us putting all this he'll, pressure on him, yeah, like, he'll be in you the, know, it's weak yeah, for him. Right, good. Well, I was just going to say, he'll be in the conversation of 
like top five best small forwards of all time. He's never going to be in a conversation right. of best player of all time. Yeah. Right. So my thing is, he doesn't have all that to shoulder. LeBron is the guy that does. So to me, it's not, like I said, I, I don't think it's weak. No one's really going to care in 20 to 30 years when we talk about the greatest small forwards to ever play. It's not going to matter. It's, it's just not. It's really not. It's not going to matter at all. No one's going to care. No yeah, and it's, probably, and it's probably going to be LeBron, Bird, and Katie. Like, that's probably going to be what it is when their careers are over before the next guys come along. Um, I mean, you could put an argument in there for Elgin Baylor, but um, Elgin Baylor never won a chip. So, again, like yep. you said, Juwan, that hurts his legacy. Like, unfortunately, yes, it does. I mean, it shouldn't. Charles Barkley, same thing, hurts his legacy. Like, so, yeah, I mean – I, I, I kind of, I, I kind of, like if if you're on one side of the fence and and Joel's on the other, like I'm kind of try to like I'm balanced on the fence, you know, because um, I, I can see both both arguments, and I think there there's some valid points behind both of them, but I think most importantly when it's all said and done, Jawan, you're right. It, it's measured by championships. That's just that's the way it is, and so if you want to win championships. You can take the heat for a couple of years by making a move that maybe makes you look weak. And, you know, when the history books look back and see what you did on that team and how you were the best player on that team, man, it's going to be – I think it will all work itself out in the end. So, But it will be interesting. It will un- without a doubt be interesting. Um, but we got to move on. we gotta, we got to talk about uh, some free agency stuff. And by the way, uh, listeners, we're we're um, we're not going to be doing any more of our uh, our draft predictions. Uh, I will be posting my uh, mock draft, full mock draft, all 60 picks, on the Full Court Press Facebook page. So if you want to check that out, you can go check that out. It'll be up there in a couple days. Uh, I've had to make some alterations because Jonathan Jean, uh, he he, uh, it recently came out that he has um, a. Uh, uh, I guess like a Back like up. a birth defect or something where it's like, oh, a, it's yeah. like a muscular. Uh, what's that? Yeah, yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, he's got like it's, it's like some kind of muscular thing that could affect his heart and everything. So uh, it's looking like he may not get drafted, or at least he's going to fall considerably. Um, because of that, so I'm having to go back in and kind of like re-edit, you know, my draft board and everything. So I'll have that out in a few days for you guys. You can check it out. Just go to our Facebook right. page, Full Court Press at Full Court Press Official, um, and it'll be up there in a few days. But uh, but yeah, let's go on the perimeter. We're gonna break down some more free agency moves. Um, so we we kind of started to get into Paul Millsap last week. I basically, uh, for for the viewers who didn't catch last week's show, I basically said I think a, a signing trade with Portland makes sense. Something in the vein of uh, you, you get you send Millsap to Portland in exchange for say Allen Crabb or Evan Turner, like one of those two bad contracts, and then Azili and um, Ed Davis's expiring contracts to make the money work, and then some draft consideration. Um, whether it be there are two late first-rounders in this draft or maybe one of those in a future first or some kind of combination of that, I think Portland would give up 
enough to make it worth Atlanta's while. Um, and I think that Atlanta would be smart uh, to, to kind of move on from the Millsap era um, just because Millsap's too good a player to waste his talent as the number one guy on a team that's not going to compete for a championship. Um, and I'm not right. saying Portland necessarily would, but we all have to agree well, that, you know, Millsap joining Lillard and McCollum would be much better than continuing this team in Atlanta where he's the number one guy and he doesn't really have any other kind of all-star around him to help him out. Um, but I want to go to you, uh, Jawan. Uh, I'm sorry, I actually want to go to Joel first. Joel, uh, as far as Paul Millsap, where do you think is the best fit for him and how do you think that uh, situation, you know, transpires? Well, there is. Uh, Paul Millsap, uh, he has options. I'll say that. Um, mm-hmm. He's a good fit on a lot of different – he's a perfect kind of four for this age. You know, he can rebound. He can shoot, like, for all the way out to the perimeter. He can defend well mm-hmm. for, for yep. the most part. So he, he he's a prototypical, perfect all-star caliber power forward, you know. So I think a good fit for him, if they could find room, maybe Washington would be a good fit for him. Uh, Portland's not sure. bad either. That's, that's not a bad place either. Um, there are, I'm thinking about it, my favorite. I think my favorite place for him right now would be uh, the Wizards. Uh, maybe the Raptors, but I don't know if they have room. I don't know how they would have to finagle everything yeah, to, it, to work for them. Yeah, it would, it would be a little more tricky for them. Right, so it would be harder. So maybe the Wizards, I would probably say, is my, my favorite right now to go get Paul Millsap. I think he'd fit well. I think uh, there's space there, even though I think Otto Porter's a free agent, so they got to find out what they're going to do with that. Yeah, um, I mean, he's a restricted free agent, so they can match whatever. Okay, all right. So I was just I was like, cause I think I saw it. I'm like, all right, I'm not sure how that's going to work. But, yeah, I think, I think that's a good spot for him. Um, I have to look around everywhere else, but at the moment, unless you guys have other ideas, I think Washington's my my well, favorite right now. Probably. Yeah, and I could see Washington in the sense that, like, if say, like, they obviously have signed uh, uh, Mahimni, I think is the way you pronounce his name, to a sixteen yeah, yeah. million dollar a year contract as a terrible contract. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. I think the Hawks should be looking to take a bad contract and then um, like a couple expiring contracts. And then, right. uh, and then like some draft consideration. I think that's like that's like the the blueprint they should be looking for in a sign and trade. And so if you could if you could offer that to Washington and say we'll take Mahimney, uh, we'll take you know a couple expiring contracts to go with that. But you know we want um, you know because this draft will be concluded because um, there are 2017 picks going to Brooklyn. But once this draft concludes, they can then, you know, offer, say, their 2018 pick, maybe a, a second-round pick, or maybe even the Hawks could say we want 18 and 20 first round, uh, maybe right. the, 20, the 2020 first round protected um, in some form or fashion, um, you know, just, just to make it all work. Um, but, I, no, I mean, I do think that could work. Um, I, I mean, I definitely do. I don't, I don't think um, – I don't think they would want to give up anything uh, substantial, but if the Hawks are smart, then they're willing to basically say, if we trade Millsap, we're not going to be competitive, so we might as well take a shitty contract, a couple expiring contracts, and rebuild. try to get some draft consideration and rebuild. Yeah, like get get what you can out of him and, and try to help him go to a team that can contend. Um, because, like, 
the way it's set up right now, Millsap, with the the contract that he's going to demand, he ain't going to be able to go to a contender uh, without a signing trade. So the Hawks have right. some amount of leverage there. They just have to be sure not to ask for too much. I think that's what got him in trouble last year with Toronto. I think I think from the reports that I heard, the Hawks wanted to get Terrence Ross, Patrick Patterson, and draft consideration. And it was like, dude, right. you're not going to get all of that. You can't stay competitive and get draft consideration. You need to pick right. one route or the other. And that's been the biggest trouble with the Hawks, and I'm hoping Travis Schlink can come in and kind of pick a direction and go with it and stop trying to, you know, try to play both sides of the field. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's a very interesting concept. Uh, Jawan, Paul Millsap, where do you see him fitting in, um, you know, what team, and, and maybe how do you see it working out? Um, I'm going to go with, and this is on a – crazy theory, but I'm going to go with Miami. Now that the whole Bosch stuff is is completely done with, um, I could definitely see Millsap fitting right in with um, Hassan Whiteside, uh, Dion Waiters, Uh Dragic, um, and honestly, I think the cherry on top, if they could fit it, and I I didn't really look into their whole cap situation or anything, but if they could pull off a Millsap if they can pull off a Millsap and, and Gordon Hayward to go with they that can. team, that completely changes the uh, the landscape of, of of the East. I'm not saying they're 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 the the Eastern Conference champions. I'm just saying it now you know eliminates that whole well. The East is completely weak. They don't really have any any good teams. It bring the Heat from Boy. not making the playoffs to at least a top five um, top five seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, they can't pull that off. Um, the the reason being is they have roughly seventeen million invested in in Dragic, and about twenty million invested in um, Whiteside. So they don't right. quite have enough room to pull that off without letting go of waiters. But if you let go of waiters, um, and you you relinquish all rights to all of your other expiring contracts. Right. You might you might be able I, – I'd have to look at the numbers to see exactly. I don't think you could offer them both max deals, um, especially because Millsap, Millsap is, a, is a 10-year veteran, so his max deal would be like $35.7 million. Um, wow. But I, but I do think you could, you could offer them substantial deals um, in that scenario if you're willing to let go of waiters. Um, but, I mean, it'll be – It'll be really, really interesting. Um, I, I could all I'm saying almost is kind of see that happening. I, honestly, if I was going to do that though, Juwan, I would probably rather have uh, Blake over Millsap, just because Blake's a lot younger and Blake doesn't cost as much because he's not a ten-year veteran. So his max contract is about thirty point uh, three million dollars, so about five plus million dollars less than what Millsap can uh, can yeah, get but, as a but, as a free agent. But Blake sometimes is, is, is a liability. Like at least Millsap oh. can give you something on both ends. Um, oh, I, I, guess I, the way I totally agree. Millsap's it, the better player, but he's older and he costs more right. money is all I mean. I, I understand that. I mean, I guess the way I was looking at it was uh, Pat Riley was able to get Wade, LeBron, and Bosch in a room and make that work financially. Yeah. So, 
when I look at it, I go, get rid of waiters, because that, that's not a, a piece you necessarily need more so than getting a Hayward or, or a Millsap. And you talk right. to Drogic, and you, you know, you talk to Drogic, let him know, listen, you want to start winning, right? You, you don't like the idea of not making the playoffs ever, right? Um, right. Kind of get him to re- restructure his a little bit, maybe work with Millsap, because you want to kind of pitch to Millsap. You want to win on your way out rather than just right. get as much money as you possibly can and then just, you know, be one of those guys who just played in the, in the same time as LeBron. You know, like yeah. nothing stands well, out really. Um, right. And, and then Gordon, me, you know, you, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 you go ahead. Finish your thought. I was going to say, and then you can just try to make it so Gordon and um, Hassan, since they're the two youngest, are the, uh, the most well-paid out of, out of everybody else. Uh, maybe sure. have Hassan take a little bit off because, um, you know, if he plays at the level he's playing at now, he's super young. He can make that money up somewhere. Um, you know, you want to kind of just get in these guys' heads that they want to start winning. And there's not right. a better motivator uh, than, than Pat Riley. Yeah, and, and I, I let me just throw this out there, and this is, is not exactly what you were saying. But um, let's let's use the Blake Griffin model. Um, let's say that you sign. Um, let's say you you, you get uh, Gordon Hayward in there, and you say, "Hey, you know, we really want you. This is the kind of moves we're going to make." And let's say you can you can successfully sign him. Um, I think you could because JJ Redick is on the block and moving around. I think you yep. could almost potentially work out a sign and trade with the Clippers and say, look, we'll send you Dion Waiters who played out of his mind last season. Um, in exchange, if you sign and trade us, Blake Griffin, um, and you can pair Chris Paul with Waiters and Jordan and whoever you can fit as your forward positions, um, if you're losing, if you know you're losing J.J. Redick, um, and you're not sure if you're going to be able to sign, re-sign um, uh, Blake Griffin, like, why not do that? Why not get somebody like Waiters so you can plug in there and would fill a necessary spot at the two that you're losing? I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I, just, I know Pat Riley really, really, really is keen on, on, on defense. Like, you have to be able to play some – semblance of defense and when I see Blake I just go not only can he not necessarily stay healthy saying he's a liability on defense because he's not he's just he's not not an Isaiah Thomas right but right he's just not better on defense than Milton that's 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 the only thing I'm comparing it to I'm not saying he's trash on defense I'm just saying he's not as good as Milton on both ends Um, and also right Ernie's kind of lost the hop in it he can stretch the floor Yes, and mm-hmm. he did lose a hop in his step. And Millsap can stretch the floor. So when you right. then look at Drogic's ability to do pick and roll uh, with Hassan Whiteside, Gordon Hayward driving, you can get Millsap a lot of better looks, you know, and he can hit those shots from farther away. He's just more of an asset to have than Blake. But financially, I do understand what you're saying. Um, it going um, – the Miami's favor a lot more going the Blake route than the Millsap route. Um, I just well, keep just, replaying just in my head that. Well, speaking, I think. But right. then again, you know, like, yeah, but then again, I, I kind of do have to side with you at, at least 
in some form or fashion is like I, I, I think everybody kind of forgets how old Goran Dragic is. Goran Dragic is 31 right. years old. Like he's he's very much coming to the close of his prime. Um, so you're not going to have him be as effective as he is for much longer. So maybe you do want to try to, I mean, if you think you can get at least in some form or fashion, if you can get Dragic, um, Hayward, Millsap, and Whiteside, they, that's a team that can compete. Like, let's, I'm not going to, obviously, no one's going to have to them as their favorites going into the season. But given the right kind of circumstances, whether it be injury or, um, you know, just just poor play from a particular player that you didn't expect on a different team. That's a team that could that could compete, and I think I think Pat Riley would would truly relish in the opportunity to go up against LeBron's Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals and kick their ass. <laughs> Absolutely, and like I said, Pat Riley's one of those guys to where if he can get you in a room. He's, he has that, that personality that could talk you down. He could talk you down um, to, to making you say, you know what, I do want to win. Like, forget money. I, I, I want to win. You know, and like I, think I said, he could, I think that, he could talk Millsap down. I don't think he could talk Hayward down because Hayward's going to have too many max. No, 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 no. No, no what, yeah. what I'm saying what? is, what, I'm, what I was saying was you don't talk Hayward down. Have Hayward and Whiteside be um, the two highest paid Matt. players on this team. Right. I'm saying yeah. talk down Dragic and Millsap, the two older guys. Well, that well, Dragic has already signed on for two up. more years, but but yeah, you could talk no, down no, no, Millsap. I meant, I meant talking to Dragic to maybe re, uh, reconstructing his um, his deal. Uh, well, you can't do that anymore via this the new CBA. So um, oh, that was the, the with new the, CBA. Yeah, you can't. They can't reconstruct their contracts anymore. You can still do a buyout and stretch it, but you can't reconstruct it anymore. So, like, so that would kind of, yeah, that would kind of be off the table. But I, but I still think, I still think you can make that work because you have Bosch's contract coming off the books. Because you have, I mean, they have like four or five expiring contracts. The only two big contracts that they have on the books currently are. Uh, Dragic and Whiteside, and neither one of those are huge contracts. They're like twenty million and seventeen million. That's not that big in today's NBA. And like Tyler Johnson is due like a huge boost. Like I don't know how they got his contract the way they did, but his contract is so weird. He, he oh got like God, six yeah. million. He got like six million dollars last year, and he gets about that this year, and then he gets a huge bump to like nineteen million next year. So yeah. the Heat are kind of under the gun to make moves. Yeah, they're under the gun to make moves. Yeah, they're under the move. They have to make moves this season if they want to add a couple pieces to make them competitive. So I do think I I could see that that may be working out. You know, we'll 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 see how it plays out. But since you brought up Dragic, um, I'm sorry, not Dragic, uh, Gordon Hayward. I do want to talk a little Gordon Hayward. Um, Miami, I could see being a good fit. Um, there's there's several different places I could see being a good fit, but I want to go to you, Joel, first. Um, so we know Jawan thinks Miami is probably the best destination for him. Where do you think Gordon Hayward fits in best? Well, uh, Miami's not a bad choice, especially if they could pull off getting him with Millsap. That's a, that's a pretty damn good team if they could pull it off, you know? Yeah. Um, because they still have uh, Winslow on the team, right? What's his name? Justice? Yeah, Justice Winslow, yeah. 
Yeah, he yeah. was hurt like, for a lot of last season, but yeah, he's still there. He's got some upside. I like him. He could probably play some yeah. two, and be more, but he's more of a three. Um, yeah, but yeah, you can Hayward. you can use you can use Hayward as a two. I mean, he's six eight, but he can play the two. That's true. He could. He could. I didn't think of that. That's true. Well, don't forget, don't forget uh, Richardson. You can maybe bring Richardson off the bench. Yeah, and you Richardson. still got, and you still got uh, Wayne Ellington, who's by no means a <laughs> starter, but he's a good backup player. Yeah, yeah, he he, he puts in some good serviceable minutes. I'll, put, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think also, you know, Boston's going to probably go hard for him too. I don't think that's a bad spot Absolutely. at all. Yeah. Um, that. I mean, shit, that, if you're going to pick a team, it probably would be Boston over Miami. But at the same time, either one would be fine. It really depends on the move that they're making. Um, Boston's on the up, upside. You know, it's going up. It's trending upward. Miami's kind of at a stalemate until they start making some type of moves. Well, um, and, and, and two, you got to – let me just throw this out there real quick. Um, right. Miami's 2018 and 2021 first-round picks both go to Phoenix. And oh, their uh, 2000, I think, I want to say 2021 first round pick goes to Portland, or second round pick goes to Portland. Their 2020 second round pick goes to um, uh, somebody. Like they, right. they've got a lot of outgoing picks, is what I'm, what I'm saying. That's not always fun. That's not, especially if you're trying right. to rebuild. So maybe if they start signing people, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> right. All right, so, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I like Deion Waiters, too, if they can keep Deion Waiters and maybe if they don't, if they keep, if they bring in Gordon Hayward and they keep uh, Deion Waiters, they could probably just fill a spot in at the four. They'll have room with uh, Chris Bosh coming off. But if not, Boston's, a good, again, a good fit. If they make, even if they make a move here and there, like a trade, uh, to, to open up some space so they can probably uh, fill in that four spot. Because, you know, their weakness right now is more four than it is three. But I know they're high on, on Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, of- I mean, and you could re-sign James Johnson. He's got a $4 million contract. I think his cap holds because he's yeah. not a rookie would be 190% of that. So it would be about $7.5, $7.7 million. That's not that much. You could still sign Gordon Hayward, hold on to your, your rights to James Johnson and re-sign James Johnson. James Johnson played well, too, last year. So Yeah, very well. So... Yeah, I mean that's uh, it, Miami will be really interesting. Um, personally, I, I think. Go ahead. I said they played well too this year. They weren't that bad. Oh yeah, I think. I mean, I think they honestly surprised everybody. I mean, I don't think, right. especially after the first, you know, thirty games of the season, because um, right. they played bad <laughs> for the first, and then and then all the trade rumors came out. They were going to try to trade Hayward, and Waiters was on the block, and. And, you know, Whiteside was even being floated around there for a little bit. And then they started right. playing well, and, and Riley was like, nah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see where we can go with this. And, you know, props to him. Props to Pat Riley. And I, and I think, honestly, Pat Riley's not the kind of guy who wants to, who wants to rebuild. He wants to, he wants to have a competitive team every year. And, and I think given the fact that, they lost LeBron James. Bosch has had his his um, medical problems, and then they they you know lost uh, D Wade. 
the fact that they've been able to make the playoffs one out of those three years and be competitive all three years is remarkable. I mean, when you break it down, I mean, literally they missed the playoffs in the, the first year after LeBron left and then this past year by one game. One game they missed yep. the playoffs each of those two years. And, like, they've been a good team. They've stayed competitive and been good. And you got to give it the coaching. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, there's something to be said for that. Let's not forget to give credit. Oh, yeah, God, uh, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why he is one of the top three uh, uh, candidates for Coach of the Year. I mean, what he's right. been able to achieve is, is nothing short of um, brilliant. Um, but for me, as far as Gordon Hayward, uh, I think the destination is Boston. Um, I think there's just so many moves that they can make, and if we have time, um, I want to delve into some of that later. Um, but I, I definitely think that uh, Hayward in Boston makes so much sense. Um, uh-huh. Like Just the fact that he can play the two and the three, so if they have to give up Bradley or they have to give up Crowder or whatever, they can fit him in the lineup. They're still going to have a hole at four, um, which they're going to need to fix. But even if they if they can't fix that this season, if they can keep their pick, uh, like if they if they don't trade next year's Brooklyn pick, there are two top three prospects who can play the four um, in next season's draft. And with the Brooklyn Nets having you know the team that they have, you have to figure that's probably going to be a, a top three to five pick. So the odds are that they're going to be able to get somebody who can fill that role. Um, and and you know what? If even if even if they can't get Hayward, um, you know they could. That would free them up to bring back um, uh, Olenek for the right price, and you know they could just kind of retool that way and keep drafting. So, um, but I but I definitely think that that that's the best spot for Hayward, um, simply because. Not only is the current Boston roster better than the current Jazz roster, also their future is way brighter because of their prospects, their young talent, and their picks, you know, coming up. Um, so I, I, I think that's just – and and not to mention, we all know Brad Stevens coached him in college. So you know they have a relationship there. Um that there's just too many reasons why it's perfect for it not to happen. I think Hayward is is he's got to go to Boston. It just makes way too much sense. Not to mention, uh, Boston loves their white players. They love them. Like <laughs> it's just the way it is, man. If you got a if you got a if you got a white guy who can play as well as as Hayward can play, like Boston is going to love you so much. I mean, dude, like Boston was literally. Like uh, cheering uh, Gordon Hayward in a regular season game this past year uh, because they fully expect him to to come there and like it, Jay Crowder like came out and was like man fuck that like why y'all trying to cheer for some motherfucker ain't even on our team you know um, but like but nevertheless like that's that's how much those Boston fans like they're like yeah we want a we want a guy on our team. He's a really good player and just so happens to be white. That's how Boston is. It's just, hey, the, just the way they are, too, man. Though. What's that? I said the Knicks do that, too. They love cheering for guys that are not on their team so in hopes that they would come. 
<laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll see what happens with Hayward. Uh, I want to move on. Um, Kyle Lowry is another one who I think is is it's just a really interesting scenario. There's been three or four different teams thrown out there as far as where he could end up. Um, so let me start with you, Joel. Um, Kyle Lowry, where do you think he fits the best? I mean, obviously, he said his main goal is winning a championship. The money isn't, you know, the most important thing to him. Um, now, obviously, that could just be conjecture. A lot of people will say that, and then when push comes to shove, when when you got thirty-five million dollars shoved in your face versus fifteen, you're going to be like, "Yeah, I'm going to take that thirty-five. Um, but nevertheless, right. where do you think Lowry fits the best, and where do you think he ends up? I mean, he could fit in a lot of different places. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think it's probably better off staying staying put in Toronto. Um, they can start finagling their their roster, kind of open up some space. The modern rules on the up swing. Uh, they have to figure out what they're going to do with. I'm having I'm having trouble hearing you, man. Joel. Okay, hold on. You hear me now? Yeah. Alright. Alright, sorry. Alright, so yeah, like I was trying to say I Oh, Serge Ibaka. That's the name I was trying to remember, Serge Ibaka. Anyway, they have to yeah. figure out what they're gonna, if they're going to bring Serge back. Because, you know, they, they've had a weakness at power forward for a while. And, you know, Serge helped them out. And then Valanciunas got benched at some point. I guess it was just for that series or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's probably – Kyle Lowry's probably better off staying in Toronto, in my opinion. Because, I mean, I heard rumors of him thinking about going to Philly. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a good spot for you to go if you're trying to win a championship. You know what I mean? Not that right. Toronto's going to win in and won one anytime soon, but still, they're closer than Philly is at the moment. You know, maybe in the future, yeah. maybe in two years or something. You know. Yeah, but by the then, Lowry's not going to be relevant anymore. Lowry. Right. Exactly. He'll be gone. He'll be done soon because you know he's short. He's getting older. He's been in the league a while now. How you tend to forget that because he doesn't look all that old, but he has been. He's been there a while. Um, yeah, he's, he's like thirty-one, thirty-two years old. Exactly, uh, and he say he say he breaks down once in a while throughout the year, and you know he got hurt during the playoffs this year, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean this 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 is time, this opportune time to, to do something, you know, before he, this is his final, maybe his final contract. So he's got to make uh-huh. sure it's the right contract, you know. So we'll we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of options for him to go. I'm not sure who's in need of a point guard that's in playoff contention, like championship contention. That that, that actually right. going to use him. Um, yeah. But um, I'll, I'll probably just stick with Toronto. I mean, unless you guys have uh, other ideas. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I think that is what will happen. Um, I I have an idea as far as, like, maybe an off-the-wall chance, but uh, let me throw it to Juwan first. Juwan, what do you think about Lowry and, and his, his destination opportunities? Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I could care less about Kyle Lowry, but I see him definitely <laughs> You just hate the Tom. Raptors so much. If you've been throwing shit on the Raptors all season. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's the Raptors or I just really don't like Kyle Lowry. Um, but no. So maybe you don't I, um, like the Raptors an extension of you don't like Kyle Lowry? <laughs> 
that could definitely be it. I, I'll agree with that. Um, no, but all, all jokes aside, um, I do see him um, having a conversation with um, Pop and fitting uh, oh, yeah. fitting in um, San Antonio. Um, but realistically, yep. I see him staying in Toronto. And I also, and this is an idea I've, I've been wanting to talk to you guys about, I think Toronto should move on from Valachunas and um, yeah. see what's going on. See what's going on with Brooke Lopez. I think that'd be an amazing fit for them. Brooke Lopez, if they can keep Ibaka, even if they can't, uh, Peterson can still work that that four position. Lopez mm-hmm. can stretch the stretch the floor. Still is a is an amazing rebounder and still plays um, better defense than Valanciunas. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't go so far as to say amazing rebounder, but he's at least as good as Valanciunas. I was being a little uh, dramatic, but no, he's still a really good rebounder. He's still a really really good good paint protector. Like that's the thing. Like he's a great. Like he, I think he gets about six or seven rebounds a game, which isn't great for his position. But like he gets, I think about two or three blocks a game, which is considerably good. Um, And he is a really good paint protector. That's something I hadn't considered. That, and I could see that working. I mean, simply because. Uh, you know, Brooklyn, they they can't draw in free agents um, because they're just such a shit team right now. And if you can get Valanciunas for three years, like locked up for three years, which I think is, is the rest of his contract, it's at least two. I think it's three. Um, in exchange for Lopez, who's on an expiring contract, um, I, I think you have to definitely take that trade. I mean... Like I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that you take that trade, um, just because of the you know the upside to having a, a, a quality center. Um, granted, not as good as Lopez, but still a quality center on board for two or three years, at least one or two years more than Lopez. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that's that's a great idea, Juwan. I hadn't even considered that. But uh, go ahead and okay. finish your thought about Lowry. <laughs> Forgot about Lowry. Yeah, no, I thought that was my drop the mic for Lowry. But no, um <laughs> I, I, I I do see money being um I do see money being something that I mean you guys are right. I mean it takes only players like a LeBron or a Durant or a Curry that make money outside of basketball. Um you know, money doesn't really mean that much to them as far as the max because Under Armour's paying them a billion dollars and Chase commercials right. are paying a billion dollars. So they don't mind taking that significant cut to fit in, um, you know, to either stay where they're at or to get better players where they're at. Um, Kyle Lowry is not one of those guys. Um, so I do see if the Raptors are throwing all that money at him. Um, he's going to end up going there. Like I said, unless Popovich is like, you know what, Tony Parker's done, he's gone, he's retired, or we released him, or, you know, bought out, bought him out of his contract. And, you know, Kyle Lowry maybe does work with that system. I don't see it. I don't see how Kyle Lowry necessarily makes that team better. Um, I don't see how him and Kawhi kind of play off of each other, especially with Aldridge. Um, I see Chris Paul being a way better fit than that. Um, but like I said, Kyle Lowry, DeRozan, if you can keep Ibaka – um, and then get a Brooke Lopez, that team is definitely better uh, going into next season than they were this, this past season. Yeah, and I, I do agree with you in the sense that, like, 
because they went all in on Ibaka and PJ Tucker last year, um, they they kind of owe it to themselves to just spend the money and and try to bring back the players and and just kind of retool. And if they can get Brooke Lopez, uh, granted you're going to have to pay him again next year, but but I mean I feel like you have to do it. Like if you, you already went all in, and I know like yeah you can argue like just because you made a mistake doesn't mean you should keep making the same mistake. But at the same time, like in 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 basketball and in free agency, like I think you, I think you owe it to yourself once you decide to go a certain direction, and they've obviously decided to try to compete and make things work with the roster that they have. They kind of owe it to themselves to do everything they can to try and be competitive for the next, at least for the extension of DeRozan's contract, right? Like the next four years, like try yeah. to be competitive. And uh, and so I, I agree with that. Um, I think as far as, as Lowry is concerned, it, it breaks down like this. I think if, if basically I'm not sure that the Raptors are going to offer him a max deal. I, 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 I think they will. I think they will. Um, but I, I mean, like let's just let's just put it this way. If if I were the Raptors, I as much as I I would have to bite my lip to do it. I would do it, but it, I would feel really bad about paying Kyle Lowry thirty five point seven million dollars to get hurt in the playoffs every year. <laughs> like I'm just being honest. Like I mean, you have to do it, but. I, it, in my opinion, but I don't necessarily think it's the right move. Um, but nevertheless, so let's let's. I'm going to break it down like this. I agree with you, Juwan. I think Lowry should definitely meet with San Antonio and see just try to see how much money they could offer him. If I'm Lowry and and the Spurs can offer me twenty million dollars, I would strongly consider that. Um, namely, I mean, obviously you're leaving fifteen million on the table if. Toronto is offering you the max, um, but you're dealing with zero percent state tax versus um, Ontario, which has I think an eight percent um, of province tax, and then like they have like a, a boosted uh, thing that makes it thirteen percent. It's I'm not quite sure how it all works. I looked it up quickly just now, um, but I, I think that you know that should come into play. Um, so, but nevertheless, like, so you're with Texas, obviously zero percent state tax. So you, you have that in play. Um, and if you can team up with, uh, if you can get 20 million a season and team up with Kawhi and team up with Aldridge and whatever other for Jonathan Simmons. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad move as far as if you're trying to win a championship, that's probably your best possible destination if you're trying to win a championship. And I honestly think, you know, like we said the last two weeks, I think it's a much better move for San Antonio than trying to go after Chris Ball because um, I think you could get Lowry for cheaper, and I think he would honestly fit fit better with Kawhi than Paul would. Um, not that I don't think the team would be better with Paul. I think they would. Um, but but nevertheless, you still have to give up so much to get him. You have to give up way more to get Paul than you do Lowry. Um, so you know, I I think that's something worth consideration. Now, if if 
you know, you can't make that work and you can't get at least $20 million. Like, I'm like, dude, I want at least $20 million four-year deal. Like, stretch it out so it, it raises incrementally and in like a $90 million four-year deal. Like, I want that. And if I can't get that, I'm going to stay put. Or if Toronto's not willing to give me a max contract, I bet you Philly is. Philly's got so much money. And so, like, that that's what it comes down to to me if it's between Toronto and Philly is who's going to give me more money? Um, because if, if Toronto's trying to be cheap about it and they're like, we'll give you $30 million a year um, over five years, or maybe they only say four, and and then if Philly is like, no, nah, we'll give you the max. We'll give you $35.7 million next year and the max each of the following years for four years. I'm going to take that deal with Philly. I'm going to go home. I'm going to play with Philly. Because honestly, like, I it's still I'm looking at Cleveland and saying we ain't got what it takes to get past Cleveland. Um, and if I go home and play with Toronto and play with these young guys and, you know, like – try to build this team up and make something of this team. That's, that's, it's a little more significant to me than playing with Toronto and just either staying constant and not, not progressing or moving backwards. Um, I, I mean, I think that's definitely a viable option for him uh, if the money is significantly better with Philly over Toronto. If the money's the same or Toronto is better, you obviously stay with Toronto. Um, if but Philly, I think, it's not about championships, man. <laughs> right, but like that's the thing with Toronto too. It's not really about. I mean, yeah, they can more do so what Juwan said. Yeah, more so in Philly. I get that, but like, if you're looking at the at the metrics of it all, like, put it this way: <laughs> if if I'm if I'm Lowry, I'm I'm waiting to see what the team does, see what they do with Ibaka, see what they do with PJ Tucker see if they bring back all those pieces, and if they do, then, like, I would be more inclined to sign with them. But let's say, like, you just, like, they offer you a $30 million contract and you sign with them, and then they opt not to bring back Obaka and not to bring back T.J. Tucker, and they just sign Patterson. Like, that ain't a then – you, then you honestly, you got no one to really run the three. Like, because right now – they just traded Terrence Ross in order to get a Baca. And right now they have, you know, PJ Tucker and nobody else to really run the three. I mean well, no, they I'm sorry, they got they got they got a Carroll. They got Damari Carroll. Yeah. Um kinda, but you got nobody else but you got nobody else to back him up, and then if you got if you got Patterson and only at the four, or you got a buck only at the four, and you know on both, you got nobody to back up at the four, so you got no depth. And I, man, I just find that troubling. I just find that concerning. Um, I don't think they're a team that's moving in the direction to win a championship. And so, you know, if if it well, if well, it comes down to winning it, if it put it this way, if it comes down to winning a championship. I'm going to San Antonio. If it comes down to money, I'm going to say Philly and Toronto, whoever's offering me the most money is who I'm going to sign with. Agreed. I agree with that. I have no doubt. It's like, not bad. <laughs> no worries, man. Um, all right. Well, I want to get into uh, – we got about 30 minutes left. I want to get into our segment, Charity Stripe. I break down – 
uh, an NBA player's charity and try to highlight that. Um, tonight, I want to break down Russell Westbrook's charity. It's called the Why Not Foundation, and why not? That's what it would be called. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Russell Westbrook, I mean, he's just one of my favorite NBA players. He's he's a competitor. He my my all time favorite NBA player is Allen Iverson. I grew up watching him. Russell Westbrook is the most like Allen Iverson that I've ever seen um in the current NBA and I love the guy. I love his play. Um I love his heart and I love I love that he leaves everything on the floor. Um but he also doesn't leave everything on the floor because he does so much charitable work. When he's not working with the NBA's various charities, he's got his Why Not Foundation. And uh, this past Christmas, uh, Westbrook teamed up with the Citizens Caring for Children to give back to Oklahoma's 10,000-plus children in foster care. Um, And at this charity event, uh, the Westbrook camp gave away backpacks full of gifts like like Jordan brand shoes, clothing, and books, among other things. Um, and that's just, that's the kind of shit that's just, man, it's just, that's, that's what's up. When you got this kind of position of power and this kind of money, when you can invest back into your community and help 10,000 plus children who are in foster care, who don't have parents, who, you know, are are down on their luck, really, and facing situations which, you know, most of us haven't had to face. And it's just, I can never uh, give props to Russell Westbrook enough for how much he does for the OKC community and for how much he does within his organization, within the NBA's organization, and for the citizens caring for children. Um, Props to Russell Westbrook. Russ, if you're listening... You're my man, fucking awesome, uh, and you're going to be MVP this season, and that is awesome too. So, uh, Russell Westbrook, yep, props on you. Uh, so let's move on. We're going to move to a segment called On the Block. I'm going to throw out some, some trades. I'm going to throw out some crazy trades. Oh, boy. And I want the two of y'all to uh, dissect them, if you will. And tell me what you think about them. So I'm going to start with your Knicks. So for (laughs) for our listeners, Jawan and Joel are both Knicks fans. And I've been, I've been telling them, you know, for, for about three weeks that Porzingis is going to be traded. And they're like, you are fucking crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. There ain't no way. Joe Jackson would trade Chris House Porzingis. Ain't no way. Um, uh, but nevertheless, throwing out several different proposals, all of which have been shot down. So I, I by them. Uh, so I don't expect this one to be any different. But without further ado, this is my trade proposal. I'm going to throw out the trade. Then I'm going to throw it to you, Joel. And then we're going to throw it to you, Jawan. And then I'll let y'all basically tell me why you think it's stupid. And then I will tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> um, uh, so... Here we go. Celtics, Knicks trade. Celtics, they get Kristaps Porzingis. And the Knicks, they get Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, the Boston 2018 first-round pick, and the Memphis 
2019 first-round pick. Top eight protected for 2019, top six protected for 2020, and unprotected in 2021. Joel, what do you think about this trade for both teams, the Knicks and the Celtics, and do you think there's any way that Phil Jackson and or Danny Ainge would be willing to do this? Uh, I <laughs> Look it. I don't like this to start out. I don't want to see Porzingis go anywhere. That's not yes. what I want to see. Obviously, as, as you're a Knicks fan. I get that. Yeah, you know you have to understand where we're coming from. We don't get good players all the time, and they don't normally stick around. And so we want him to stay as long as possible. So go in that looking at it like that. I don't believe, and that's I love Porzingis. I don't believe Boston would give up that much because that's a lot. Well, Porzingis, I know, I, I look, and I, I love the dude. I, that's a lot. That's like two starters and two first-round picks. That's, that's ballsy. And you know what? If they come to me, and I don't think Danny Ainge would ever do that move, <laughs> I, I would take it. If I'm the Knicks, I would take it, but there's no way I would. There's no way it would happen. I just can't see a, a scenario where, where Danny Ainge would give up that much for Porzingis. I mean, it's possible, I guess. I don't think anything's impossible, but – Holy shit! Uh, I take it. I, I don't. I don't want to lose them, but for that, I at least consider it. You know what I mean? Yes, and I'm glad that you say that because that is kind of, um, especially when I'm like trying to angle trades, especially towards a somebody of a certain fan base. I maybe try to make the trade a little more favorable than it would be in 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 real life. Um, so that was kind of my goal here. Um, so I, I do think you're 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 correct. I don't think Danny Ainge would, would be willing to give up that much to get him. Um, but I do think that he should consider it. I'll get into that in a minute. But first, I want to hear what Juwan has to say. Juwan, what do you think about that trade? Um, would you take it if you were Phil Jackson? Or let's just say, I don't even want to put you in that kind of prism, but if you were in charge of the mix, would you take that trade? I think we lost him. Hello? Sorry. No, oh, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Did you, um, did, so did you hear me? Sorry. I, yeah, I, I heard you. I had it on, on mute, worked. so you couldn't hear me, but I was responding the entire time. Uh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I forgot I was on mute. Um, so you're saying Isaiah Thomas and draft picks, right? No, I'm saying you get Isaiah Thomas, you get Jay mm-hmm. Crowder, you get right. the 2018 first-round pick from Boston. So you're probably looking at between number 25 and 28-ish. Um, and then you get the 2019 first-round pick from Memphis. Now, it is top eight protected uh, for 2019. It's top six protected for 2020. But then it is unprotected first-round pick in 2021. So no matter what, you're going to get a first-round pick out of it. Um, and I I would tend to think that um, Memphis is on the decline, but they're not so much on the decline that that 2019 pick will be a top eight pick. I would, if I would were to project where I thought it would be by then, I would think it would be somewhere in between, say, 12 and 16. Well, I mean, my biggest issue is the Knicks outside of Przingis, and I'd even maybe go Hernan Gomez. 
don't really draft well um, or haven't really drafted well. Um, so a pick wouldn't really make me feel that secure about giving yeah, but away. You're getting, but, a, you're getting, but you're getting Thomas and Crowder. I understand, but, I mean, honestly, getting Isaiah um, to go with Courtney Lee, to have Crowder, to then go with, I guess, because who we have now is Kamen, uh, Kuz, Kuzminskis, um, or maybe put a point at, at, at the four. Right. So it's well, just, you, I mean, you I don't know. I feel so, see, I, that's the one thing that's not a guarantee. He's either being bought out or traded. So that's well, just but, like but, mellows. Yeah, but here's the, well, here's the thing. I don't think there's any – he might get bought out, but I don't think there's any – I don't think there's any agreement that they come to in which they would be agreeable as a buyout. I just don't see that happening. Well, then I think, definitely being I think, traded. I think Phil's going to – yeah, and you could still try to trade him with that lineup, but you would – here's – uh, uh, let me uh, let me let you finish your thought, and then I'll I'll go into why I think it's a good trade for both teams. Um, it just it, it guts us, and honestly, Mellow's um starting to get on the other side of of his you know of his prime. So we don't yeah. know how many more good years we have of him. Przingis is is very young, so for me to give him up for Isaiah, I the. I, I can't do that. Knowing how and, and, and has the hip injury. Yes, and knowing how inconsistent Phil has been with his draft pick since he has gotten the job, and just how inconsistent the Knicks are, period, with draft picks. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, and I, I, I damn sure don't want to get rid of Przingis when he could have potential to be an um, all-star in the league. I'm not sure if I'm ready to get rid of that for right now when Knicks have made it clear they're building for the future. I want Przingis there, and I want him to grow with the young core that they have. Okay. Well, two things then. One, when I threw out my my Przingis trade in which it netted you guys either Markel Fultz or the Brooklyn pick next year and a slew of other things around either one of those trades, you told me that – you didn't want any trade that didn't make your team better now. So you got to pick one or the other, man. <laughs> like, uh, I, I can't well, do everything. You, you get, can't get better you get now and things. still have the primo primo picks going forward. So which is it? Which well, which would you prefer? <laughs> well, no, it, 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 it's, it's to this thing of like, all right, the ideal situation would be Phil's no longer there. Then I feel more comfortable going either way. I, I could care less mm. either way they went, whether they were trying to win right. right now or they were trying to be young. But he's made it clear he wants to to build around the young guys. So, I mean, right. I could say what I want, all you know, so the cows come home, which is for them to win right now because, as Joel knows, it's just miserable with the Knicks just losing consistently and consecutively. So, um, but he's made it clear his direction is to go young. So when I have changed my response, it's because winning now, obviously, Phil could care less about that. So I'm not going to hold on to that little shred of hope. So I'm just going completely realistic. He's made it clear he wants to go young. He wants to pretty much rebuild the Knicks and his vision. So if that's the case, then I'm just going young. Let's just ride the, the young train, and hopefully in three, four, five years, Knicks are something quite like the Sixers are. 
Young, young, right. young, baby, young, young. Yeah, and and I get that. I totally get that. Um, but here's the problem. You know, Melo has his no trade clause. And as many times as people want to try to say, you got to trade Melo, you you and you you know both of y'all know you can't just trade Melo. You have to trade him to a specific team, and you have to take back much less than he's worth. Because let's be honest, Cleveland is not going to trade Kevin Love for for Melo. It's not going to happen. Uh, Kevin Love is a better better shooter, or at least better better long range shooter anyway. Um, he's a better rebounder. Um, he's probably a better defender, and I, I say that skeptically because uh, Kevin Love's not a great defender by any means. He, he, he's a subpar defender, but Melo has never proven to be a good defender. Um, and, and granted, you can say LeBron gets the best out of people not and all that, but but nevertheless, uh, also uh, Melo is like four or five years older than Kevin Love. Uh, or three or four years. I can't remember exactly. I think I think Love is 28. I think Melo is 31, 32. So, like, three or four years. Um, and Melo, also, by by trading Kevin Love for Melo, you're taking on about seven to $8 million more in, in cap room because uh, I think Kevin Love's contract next year is about $21, 22000000 million. It's uh, more than yeah, Melo's is about $26 million, but Melo has in his contract that he has a 15% uh, kicker so that if he gets traded, his, his his salary gets boosted by 15% with whatever team that takes him. So, you know, with that in mind, you're, you're paying a lot more for somebody who's not necessarily helping your team, you know, be that much better. So I don't think there's any chance the Cavaliers trade uh, trade uh, Kevin Love for him for all of those think... reasons, and and Kevin Love is signed on for two more years, and 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 you know Melo can opt out after one year. So I mean I think all of those reasons is, is a reason why uh, that's not going to happen. Um, but go go ahead, uh, Juwan, before I I get into my uh, Celtics Knicks trade. The um the biggest thing you have to remember is. Two huge things. LeBron's made it clear he wants to play with either Paul um, and Melo or at least one of the two because both of them. Kind of. I don't really unlikely. think he's made that clear. Like I don't. I don't. No, think he's he said that. He said well, that. No, he said, he's, he said in he's, the perfect no, scenario. He has said that he would love to play with all three of his um, buddies, the Banana Boat Crew, at some point in his career. Um, but but that right. that didn't necessarily include the franchise trading a better player for Carmelo. Like I, right. here's my but, thing. I feel like I, mean, I feel like the Knicks would have to include something else. They can't include a second round pick because they don't own any of their second round picks for the next like four years. I'm not they can include. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah for love, right? You're not giving up picks for love for yeah, and and and. You you can't give up Hernan Gomez, which is the other thing that I think the Cavs would want. They would want somebody who's young and cheap to back up Tristan Thompson. And like, if I'm the Knicks, there is no fucking way that I'm giving up Melo and Hernan Gomez for Kevin Love. There's just no way I'm doing that. Why not Kylo Quinn though? Why not Kylo Quinn? Well, okay, because Kylo Quinn doesn't work with the uh, financially. 
and Kylo Quinn can opt out after next year. See, if, I, if I'm Cleveland, I want Hernan Gomez because he's signed on for three more years at like a million and a half dollars a year. Like, that's what, yeah, what I want. I don't want the, I don't want a Quinn who signed on for four and a half million dollars next year and then can opt out and is a free agent again. I'm having to deal with I, so much payroll. It's it no chance that I that I want that. The only I don't the only way that I could even possibly conceive of that is if maybe they take J.R. Smith for Courtney Lee. Um, but even still, if I'm the Cavs, I don't necessarily want to do that. And if I'm the Knicks, I definitely don't want to do that because I don't want to bring J.R. Smith back. Right? Well, I mean, I'm I'm looking at it like this. Kyle Quinn, even knowing that he could, um, you know, opt out and become a free agent or whatever, my thing is if Kyle Quinn hits the free agency market, it's not like he's going to have a million people knocking down his door. Cavs can definitely That's work true. out something um, That's true. to – to, to keep him. And as far as Melo, you don't have to worry about Melo opting out and, um, and going somewhere else. Once he leaves to come with LeBron, he would retire uh, with LeBron. Unless LeBron yeah, decided true, to, to still, take the train somewhere else. But you're still dealing, and that's the thing. Okay, so two things. One, you're still dealing with paying way more for I don't think as an, as an effective team. I would rather have to take away contracts. I would rather have Kevin Love on that team as constructed than Carmelo Anthony. He rebounds. He shoots threes know. better. Uh, d- dude, I'm just saying, me personally. I'm just. I, I get it. I get it. You don't know, but I know. I would rather have him because he rebounds better. He shoots threes better. He's arguably a better defender. I would say he is. Not much, because neither one are great defenders, but I think he's a little bit better. And he can play the five, uh, and, and there's no universe in which Melo can play the five. So, I, I and you don't have, but this, currently constructed, you don't have anybody to back up uh, Tristan Thompson. So, I know, there's just so honestly, many, there's so many reasons why I don't think that is a good trade. I just don't think it's a good trade. There's not many scenarios where you have Kevin Love at the five, though. There's there's not that many situations where he is at the five because he's yeah, especially but, in these but finals. When, but when you need it, yeah, he has like, played the five. When do he has played it? the five several times. I mean, Tristan Thompson has only played average like twenty four to twenty six minutes each game. Who do you think is playing the five when he's not on the floor? That's Kevin Love. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be Kevin, I'm gonna be completely right. honest with you. Your assessment on love as a score, I I don't know. I don't know if maybe I, I don't know. But I'm just saying Melo is a way better score. I give you rebounding no, and, I, and and I, defense. No, but I didn't Mello, say score. Honestly, I could, said shooter. Melo's a better shooter. He can get no, it from not any from three. of that court. Not not He's from three. He's a better three. shooter not than love. Of, not from three. I'm I'm sorry. I, I I'll say this. All those open looks that love gets in these finals that he's clanking, Melo's knocking those down. You can count on Melo more so offensively than you can love. I vehemently disagree with that. (laughs) I think think you can count on Melo a lot more offensively than you can Kevin Love. Okay, let's let's bring some levity to this conversation before – but I got you, I got you. Let's bring some levity to this conversation before I I, um, jump into, you know, why I think this is a good trade and all that. Um, but just just to 
maybe try to settle the debate. Um, Joelle, what do you think about this whole thing? Because I want to, I want to hear your opinion. You're, you're a Knicks fan. Um, what do you think about Cleveland trading love for Melo? Do you think it's a good idea? What do you think about everything that that Juwan and I have said? I think it's an idea. I don't know how much of a good idea. <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think it's a bad idea. Like for the Cleveland to do it. I think if anything, it's probably better to try to find a way to keep them both. Like I don't know if they want to trade Love, and I think it's probably better off if they try to if they find a way to like get Melo and Love together, which is almost impossible considering they make so much damn money. They wouldn't have any room for a bench that they already don't have. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Well, and they wouldn't have a two guard. Right. They would be like shooting guard less. <laughs> there would yeah. be probably LeBron playing all three positions most of the time, but um, I like Kevin Love a lot. I, I think I think Lamelo would be. A, I th- I probably like Melo more than you probably do at this point, <laughs> uh, Nick. So I give Melo a lot of credit for what he can do. I probably don't like Melo as much as uh, Jawan does apparently because he, he has a lot more faith in him than I do at this point. So I'm probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Word. I mean, like I, I think he's good. I think he. I don't know if he's. I don't think he's at this point better than Kevin Love, but at certain aspects, I think he is. So I think it's a good trade. I think it's probably a worse trade for the Knicks because I don't like the idea of bringing back Kevin Love. I don't hate Kevin Love. I just don't think he's he'd be a good fit in New York per se. Even though he probably would fit the triangle well, I have no doubt. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. It, well, and here's my thing: if you make that trade, you're, you're aiming to trade Kevin Love for assets, you know, like that, that's what you're trying to do. So, um, so, I mean, maybe, because I I do think Kevin Love is more tradable right now than Carmelo Anthony, given where his contract is, given how long it is, given what the amount it is, and given what uh, the NBA wants in a power forward nowadays. They want somebody who can spread the floor, who can rebound when need be, can make threes. Um, I will say this, though, Juwan, the discrepancy between their three-point shooting is not quite as much as I thought it was. Um, I just pulled it up last year. Um, I'm looking at their three-point shooting right now. Carmelo Anthony shot 37.3% from three, uh, and um, Kevin Love actually shot 35.9% from three. So I'm going to have to go ahead and man up and tell you – I was wrong. Uh, according to the statistics, according to the figures, uh, I'm sorry, that's the other way around. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Melo shot 35.9% and um, Kevin Love shot 37.3%. But nevertheless, that's still a lot closer than I thought it would be. 35.9 and 37. Like you're talking 36 versus 37%. That ain't that much. I thought it was more. So. You know, if you're getting yeah. Mello more open looks from the corner three, maybe he does yeah. knock those down. You know, who's I think to he'll say? play better in Cleveland. Yeah, I think I think playing with better players, he would definitely play better. Um, we got about five minutes left, so let let me just delve into why I think this is a good trade, and then we'll wrap up the show for tonight. Um, one, I agree with you, Joel. I don't I don't think Danny Ainge would make this trade, but I think he should, and this is why. Um, and I think this should be a post-draft trade if you can convince Gordon Hayward to sign. So I think it's given those two scenarios. If you can convince Gordon Hayward to sign for a max contract, then I would go to the Knicks, and I would say, we'll give you Thomas Crowder, 
the Boston, our first-round pick in 2018, and Memphis's first-round pick in 2019 for Porzingis. Um, if, if I'm the Knicks, you're immediately a playoff team. Like, and, and I know like, the goal is always to win a championship, but the Knicks have not been a playoff team in fucking years now. So if you can, right. if you can run Thomas, Lee, Crowder, Anthony, or whoever you can trade Anthony for, um, and then you kind of take the pressure off yourself because you don't have to trade Anthony at that point. You can just run with him. Because the thing is right now, you have Anthony and Porzingis who play the same position. You're trying to play two people who benefit best at the four, and you're trying to play them out of position when you play them together. You're either trying to play Porzingis at the five and Melo at the four, or Melo at the three and Porzingis at the four. Either way, you're trying to play your two best players out of position. Um, and and then you go with Hernan Gomez at the five. You have Noah back him up. If he can stay healthy, if not, you have O'Quinn. Um, I, honestly, I think you try to trade O'Quinn um, for uh, some kind of asset. Uh, so I, I would I would try to trade him for like a, a two guard who's around the same contract um, because there's no guarantee that you're going to bring back Justin Holiday. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent, so he can leave. Um, I thought he was a restricted free agent, but he's actually not. So, oh, that makes me um, sad. I like yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's – I really think the Knicks should try to bring him back if they can. Um, but nevertheless, um, if if you have Thomas, Lee, Crowder, Anthony, and Hernan Gomez, that is a playoff team in the East. Any way you cut it, that is a playoff team. Unless injury ensues, that's a playoff team. So not only do you get to be significant this year, you like you, you get a playoff team, right? You could still try to trade uh, uh, Mello for, for whatever best you, you think you could get for him, um, but you're, you're, you're not, your back's not against the wall to do so. Um, but you get the Boston first-round pick in 18 and the Memphis first-round pick in 19 when you don't have your your – second round picks for like the next four seasons like they they're so limited in what they're able to do they own all their first round picks the Knicks they own all of them but they are so spread thin with their second round picks if you can add those players get two first round picks out of it over the next two years so that you can add those to your current first round picks even if in the worst case scenario like, let's say you have a good season, you finish number eight. Um, I think that's, like, about worst-case scenario. I think I would probably project the Knicks with that lineup to finish, like, six or seven. Um, but let's say you finish eight, you make the playoffs, you, you lose in the first round, you win maybe one game. Um, but nevertheless, you get Boston's pick, you get Memphis pick, 18-19. Even if Thomas and... Uh, and Mello walk, you still got Crowder who you can trade. That's a viable trade piece because he's, his contract is so little, and you would still have him signed up for two seasons for 18 and 19. You could trade him, get another kind of asset to try to build with, and you would have multiple first-round picks to go with and to build with, and you would have a, a viable team in 2017. So... Uh, that's just my opinion. I think it would be uh, a trade that um, the, the Knicks would have to consider. And as far as the Celtics, 
I think you don't want to give Thomas a max deal. Uh, if you can mm-hmm. sign Hayward, then you don't need Crowder. And if you give up your 18 pick and the Memphis 19 pick, at least you keep the Brooklyn 18 pick. And then you pair up Porzingis, um, Jalen Brown, uh, the Markel Fultz, and then the 2018 first-round pick. You've got four consecutive years of great draft picks to build with. Um, I would totally do that if I was Boston. Um, But nevertheless, it's been a good show. We'll catch you next time. Check in next week with Full Court Press. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Good night. Good night.